a CYP Club podcast. Welcome to CYP Voiced. I'm your host, Anthony Granitas. Today we're here for the first culture segment of CYP Voiced. That is the third C, culture. And I'm super excited to introduce my guest host for the culture segment, Cheney Scott, who is part of the Columbus Leadership Council like myself. Cheney, welcome on. Yeah, thanks, Anthony, for having me. I'm so excited. I'm also really excited. I think we've got a great episode lined up and an even more amazing guest. Chris Sewell is with us today. He is a Columbus leader by definition. Um, He works as the Assistant Director of Community Affairs for the Mayor of Columbus, and he's going to tell us a little bit about culture, what that means to him, and how that's played into his career. Chris, welcome on. I'm so excited that you're here for our first culture segment. Absolutely. First of all, thank you guys for the invitation. It's, uh, it's always an opportunity, it's a great opportunity to kind of speak about some of the work that, that, that I'm doing in the city, um, but also really great programming that um, is happening right here in the city of Columbus. And so um, I am currently um, working for the mayor's office. Um, previously, I was a program manager for my brother's keeper. Um, prior to that, I was a neighborhood liaison uh, in the Department of Neighborhoods. And so um, I'm excited because I've always been <clears throat> always been in a servant role, uh, meaning that my jobs have always allowed me to, to serve um, the community of Columbus. And, you know, it's been a blessing um, to still be able to do what I love to do, you know, continue to walk my purpose. Yeah, absolutely. So Chris has done amazing things in the community. He has always been, as he said, working for the community in a servant role. Um, And I'm just really excited that he's on here today. I completely agree. Chris, our first question for you is simple. What matters most to you? Uh, Well, for me, it's family. You know, I grew up uh, predominantly in a single parent household. Uh, Mother worked two jobs my entire life. She still works two jobs. And so uh, I was raised by a woman that always put others first, you know, in terms of sacrificing, making sure that, you know, me and my siblings had everything we needed, you know, I still making sure that, you know, she came home from job, from, she came home from her first job, made sure we had dinner uh, every night, and then she went on to her second job. And so um, I, I get my work ethic from her. You know, I've always had two jobs myself up until I started, I got my real technically first job, which was Franklin County um, Children's Service. And so, you know, my core values are just family. Uh, transparency, communication, uh, giving back to my community. I'm a, I'm a Southside native to to, the, to my heart. Um, and, you know, everything that I've done in terms of work has always been making sure that, one, that people people less fortunate, people that look like me, um, and the voices, the voiceless always have an opportunity to have their voices being heard. And so, like I said, from, from work, working in Franklin County Children's Service, um, to the Franklin County Job and Family Services, to the city of Columbus as a neighbor liaison, um, to MBK program manager, um, to now doing external affairs for the mayor. Like my, my track record has always shown um, that I've always put others first. When it's my time to go, I want to be remembered as one of the great leaders in Columbus. Like when they talk about you know black leaders and leaders in the city of Columbus, I want to be up there with them. And so everything I do now is to make sure that I put myself in position to be one of the greats um, when it's my time. Well, I definitely think you're on track to uh, achieve that. So uh, thank you for sharing that dream with us. And thank you for sharing your values with us, because 
I really think that values are the backbone of culture, especially when discussing uh, cultural shifts, what makes up a culture. Uh, and so I'm glad that we got to hear a little bit about your values. Uh, let's broaden the question a little bit here. How do you define culture in your own words? Uh, swag, man. We talk about culture, you know, it's, it's the way you walk, the way you talk, how you dress, uh, how you pronounce your stuff, man. You know, I went to school, so I went to Wright State uh, for undergrad, and I went to school uh, with a bunch of cats from Cincinnati, and they would say, uh, bruh, and being in Columbus, people say, bro. And so when you talk about like culture and just, you know, then I even just like black culture, like it's, it's, it's amazing how we're 100 miles away and they use the same vernaculars or words that we use, you know, but theirs is bruh, where ours is bro. And so that's just something small. But when I think about culture, I think about, you know, you know, one's the way one's dressed, right? You know, how does he talk? Um, the music listen to is like all of these things influence the culture, like music, fashion, sports, um, all that is, is a part of the culture, you know, not just black culture, but culture in general, right? Where, you know, you, you, talk, you listen to other genres of music and they're taking bits and pieces from other culture. Um, and so for me, like just depending upon a person, culture can mean so many things, but when I think of my culture, man, culture influence, you know, the way I dress, uh, what I read, what I look at, um, you know, just how I carry myself, man, because it's so important now, right? Um, visual transparency is important. And so when we're talking about the younger generation, sorry, it's important now that when they look at me, they, you know, that's a reflection of the culture. Yeah, absolutely. I'm <laughs> culture to me also means that, you know, it's the, the swag for me, right? You know, like just who you are, how you embody where you come from, you know, your environment is your culture. You know, there's so many different workplaces working on culture, right? Working on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it's like, to me, culture is natural. It's innate. So, you know, it's something that comes from who you are as a person and what you bring to the table. Um, so I, I love your answer to that because it's, it's so real and it's exactly what culture is in my mind too. Um, think about it too, uh, Chaney. When people are trying to figure out what 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 DNI means, right? And it's always and it's been a buzzword, but the, the struggle has been how do we infuse DNI to the work that we're doing? You know, part of part of DNI is allow is hiring people to be themselves, right? Like that's what DNI. DNI is not one one gender, not one race, not one sexual orientation, um, but it's a mixture of different cultures. In, in the workplace or workspace or organization that allows that person to be themselves and also contribute to any organization being themselves. It absolutely is. You're so right about that because there, there's the back and forth about diversity, equity, and inclusion being this new um, fad, but it's like, it's always been there. <laughs> you know, what it is, what it embodies, it's always been there. So what we have to do as a people, as a culture, as a nation, you know, is really just embrace, embrace it and embrace our differences and not act like it's something new. Because to me, I don't feel like it's something new. I feel like it's something that needs to be embraced and enhanced and emphasized at all of the different workplaces. So I, I absolutely love that. Um, I have a question for you. Speaking of culture, um, can you tell us how does your work, how does your passion, what is the alignment of it and in bringing or lifting up the culture in Columbus? Yeah, so for, for me, I, so I, I struggle 
you know, and I'm sure most people have in a part of my life in my early 20s, you know, I struggled with, um, you know, imposter syndrome, you know, you know, feeling like I am I able to be in this space? Uh, I struggled with, you know, um, you know, the criminal justice system, you know, I struggled with that. Um, and I think all of those things had made me work harder to be in this place I'm in now. It's like, I don't take nothing for granted, right? Every day I wake up, I'm thankful, grateful just to be in the position to be able to help people, but also understanding, like, I, I understand where some of the struggles that our people have been through, you know, and so being able to, to have those real life experiences has allowed me to put a greater emphasis on the work that I do, right? You know, in talking to our community, we understand that there's a language barrier between a lot of our community and some of the other stuff that's going on. How can I bridge that gap? And so for me, I've always tried to be one of those people that, that bridge a gap for our community in terms of, you know, whether it's helping people understand how policies are written um, or just being at the table, right? We don't understand how much it, it means to people to have somebody that they know at a table, at the table, the table, when I say the table, the table that's making decisions, right? Like it's not necessarily me being in the mayor's office, but it's being around people that are able to make decisions that influence the, the betterment of our community. And so for me, um, that's what it's been. You know, I'm, I've always wanted to be reachable, uh, meaning that I'm somebody the community can find one way or another, right? Whether it's through social media, whether it's through a friend, um, the simple fact that I am reachable um, has always been a good thing for me. I'm, I'm everywhere, meaning that I will show up to any event. This is so, so people know that I'm there, right? In the Black community, it's one of those things where they want you to be consistent. And so, which is why it was so important for me to be in marriage office is because being a homegrown kid and growing up in the inner city, um, the city hall seems so far away from us because we never knew nobody in city hall. You know, and so now when students see me or being in my previous role, they know, yo, Chris was to be in K, now he's in city hall. Like that, that seems achievable because I was, a couple of weeks ago, I was just at this level and I'm at a, even though I moved on and got promoted, I'm still the same person. I'm still reachable and I still want to have them same contacts. And so for me, like this, my current new role is, is, is bigger than just um, being in the mayor's office. It's actually showing kids that look like me, like, yo, it's achievable, especially coming from inner city. Right. Representation is so incredibly important. And I think that that's one of the main points we're seeing in the cultural shift of society today. Um, so I'm glad that you mentioned that. So in a bit of a topic transition here, you currently are working for the mayor's office. You just left your position with uh, MBK, My Brother's Keeper. And I want to know a little bit more about that program because I think it's an excellent program that's doing great things for the community. Uh, so tell us a little bit about My Brother's Keeper and, and your experience there. Yeah, absolutely, man. MBK was, a, it was a, I think it was my, it was one of my most important roles besides going to one I am now is because when Obama started MBK in 2014, you know, he, he created MBK to help close the disparity gaps for boys and men of color, right? And when, you know, we talk about disparities, a lot of those disparities were put on point, you know, during the pandemic. So we're talking about education, we're talking about health, uh, we're talking about economics and safety, which were, you know, you've seen, you know, during the pandemic, right? That, you know, African-Americans have, you know, in terms of health-wise, the, the largest number of disparities were disparities, the most was health-wise, right? Economics, you've seen how families are impacted financially. Um, and then safety, we've seen how much um, our communities changed during the pandemic because our environments changed. You know, culturally, I don't think we were prepared to go into a pandemic because when you think about from an educational standpoint, kids are then forced into um, essentially a college atmosphere, you know, learning online. I didn't, I didn't know nothing about online learning until I got to college. 
you know, and that was 2004. So think about here we are now, 17 years later, and we're talking about kindergartners being able to go, I mean, going to a, their first introduction to school is is, is from an online um, perspective. And so for MBK, our, you know, it was MBK was created to be uh, this community of caring for boys and men of color. And so when we took that initiative up in 2016 here in Columbus, that was the same thing, right? You know, even though MBK is within a city, we're more so funders uh, and conveners of organizations that particularly deal with boys and men of color. And so in my, in my role this, in this past year, our focus was high school success outcomes. So working with organizations um, that were creative and innovative and figuring out programming to, to increase high school success outcomes. And so we, we ended up doing our MBK, two, MBK round two grant, um, which funded three community organizations and Chris, which is Community Refuge Immigration Services. You know, a lot of what they did was, you know, create this, this, this environment for our students to be able to learn and, and have resources. They also um, worked with students in terms of mental health, because we know that's been big, you know, social and emotional learning, right? How do our kids cope with, you know, trauma? How do they, you know, how do they deal with overcoming adversity? Um, you know, a lot of what they did was make sure our students were, had everything they needed to be successful. And so um, MBK has been great. You know, we, and not only did we do that, you know, we, we did a lot of things in the pandemics. You know, we, we knew that families were, were, were economically challenged. And so, you know, we put together these care packages so that families can get, um, you know, the safety and sanitation for the household, you know, fresh toilet paper, um, paper towels, cleaning kits, like all of that stuff was important. Um, and so a lot of what my role was as, as, as an MBK program manager was essentially be an advocate. You know, that's what MBK is, right? Is making sure that we're filling in gaps and our students have every opportunity to be successful from, you know, from 13 all the way up until 24 or beyond. Yeah, absolutely. And and Chris knows this uh, about me, but mentorship is exactly what he just mentioned. Um, exactly what he explained. Mentorship, my brother's keeper, advocacy, all of that goes hand in hand. And, you know, being able to be... Um, an advocate for someone and giving them a different perspective or giving them a different avenue to be able to reach their goals. If they're ne- if they don't go to school, if they don't go to a four-year college, it's okay to let them know that hey, you can be a HVAC maintenance person and make like fifty dollars an hour, you know, and not go to school, and that's cool, you know. And we have to make those different alternative, you know, career opportunities. We have to make those um, sound appetizing to our youth of today because the way that they see it is that it's um, a job that you know it's not on the same level as them getting a job out of college Um, and so we have a big futures program at big brothers big sisters and that's one of the things that we do is we make sure that we find them different internships we make sure that we find them different um, careers that they can see like a podiatrist, right? Nobody, I don't think anybody wakes up and says, I, I want to work on feet. You know, like, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think anybody, you know, wakes up and does that, but, um, it is out there and it is a really cool profession actually. And, you know, there's so many people who have feet problems and who would have known, you know, um, and they need a doctor. So, you know, just trying to make it exciting and cool to the kids and let them know that you can be absolutely whatever you want to be but they need a hand up 
They need someone in their life, like from My Brother's Keeper, like from Chris Sewell's demeanor, like, you know, more men like that, that can help and advocate and just be a sounding board for them. So I'll get off my soapbox. I have a question for you, Chris, but mentorship is exactly what My Brother's Keeper is doing on like level 100. So I salute you for that. Chris, with My Brother's Keeper and even thinking about your new role with the mayor's office, what do you think that those organizations could bring to the table that other organizations can learn from or even adopt? So I know you haven't been in my, my, the mayor's office yet, so maybe with My Brother's Keeper, thinking about what can they bring to the table that other organizations can learn from, can grow from, can uh, really make an impact on the culture of Columbus, Ohio? One thing I think I think is working together, right? I, I think the, the fear is if one organization has something that I don't, that is, is putting what I do in jeopardy, you know, and, and that's not true, right? It, it's so many things that, you know, you may do, Cheney, that I can't do. The biggest thing is one that I think organizations can bring to the table is communication. You know, hey, what do you offer that I don't, that I don't offer that I can bring my students to one, it provides another opportunity for our students to engage with other students, um, but it's also another opportunity for me to work with another organization that has this skill that I don't have. I just, I just would encourage people to work together. Um, and if we haven't seen it more than anything in a pandemic, it's coming together, right? This youth voice is so strong. Everything that was led during the summer was, was them. And so I think it's important that we continue to build upon our foundation and give a new voice, but it only can happen if adults or sitting together at the table and figuring out how can we work together to get the best out of all the youth that we have and not just saying these are my 20 kids, I'm gonna keep them to myself, but how do we combine your 20 and my 20? And now we have a, we have a powerful organization of 40 kids strong that are then be able to deploy in the community and do the work, right? And so I, I think that's the biggest thing that organization can bring to the table, you know, just one is just sharing resources. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid to share resources. I just wanted to mention that collective impact piece is so huge. I mean, if everybody was able to get together, you know, and for instance, like Big Brothers, Big Sisters, we're working with INYAP, so National Youth Advocacy Program, and then we're also working with the Urban League, and then we're also working with, you know, other organizations and coming together with a collective impact model. And, you know, because we have 500, 600 kids you know, that are getting a mentor that have a big brother or big sister, but they have other different adverse, you know, things and experiences in their life that they need help with. So why would we not reach out to the Columbus Urban League for a job or not reach out to, you know, in Yap for counseling or what have you? So it just, it makes sense. And I don't know why the pandemic really emphasized this for organizations. And I'm really excited about the way that the future looks. Cheney, I'm so glad that you mentioned the future because when I think about the work that we're doing here at CYP Voiced and on this podcast, I really like to think of it as paving a way into the future. Um, and the guests we have on here, the co-hosts we have on here, everybody has a hand in that. Um, and we kind of covered all four C's today, conversations, community, culture, and career, even though this is just the culture segment. So that goes to show how applicable everything we talk about is into almost every facet of your life. And I'm excited personally to implement the things Chris talked about in my professional and personal life. So thank you, Chris, for being on. You were a great first guest on the culture segment. 
I cannot wait to keep following you and see all of the great things you do in the community. Thank you again so much. No, thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Cheney, for that for the opportunity to speak, man. Uh, one more thing I will say is that Columbus is rich in programming. Like that's one thing we don't we 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 were not shy of is that we have a ton of programming. And so anything I think that students need, families new, is easily accessible, right? And I think from our perspective and what you guys are doing and putting this information out there is good, right? But the best thing that we can do from our positions is ask, right? Ask families or ask students, how do you want to receive information? Because then that might fix the gap of why people aren't receiving resource information. Just ask. So, but thank you guys for having me. It was a great opportunity. Thank you again, Chris, and thank you, Cheney, also for being the co-host on the Culture segment today. I'm super excited to move forward with the Culture segment. I think we've got a lot of great ideas lined up, um, and Cheney's going to be an amazing co-host. So, listeners, thank you for tuning in today. You'll want to tune in next time for the first career segment. We've got a great guest, and we've also got a great co-host. So, I've been Anthony Granitas, and this is CYP Voiced.